welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz. I am your host, Danny Katz. I am an author, journalist, and a quantum languaging coach and consultant. What that means is that I teach people how language programs consciousness, how language programs reality at large, and how to transform reality and evolve our consciousness with language. I've also been known to cultivate and share an opinion or two or 12 about culture and consciousness and how they are evolving, devolving, and being manipulated by the powers that were. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to fostering critical thinking while supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated, realized, amazing version of yourself. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. (laughs) And think. Given the radical uptick in censorship over the past few years, combined with the complete co-opting slash decimation of my own personal industry, journalism, I started Word Up to have a free speech-friendly platform in which to engage exploratory, solutions-based conversations with visionaries, mystics, original thinkers, and rebel badasses who are helping to make the world more wonderful. The first half of my interviews run between 30 to 90 minutes and are always posted here for free public listening. The second halves are reserved for paid supporters on my Patreon and my Locals platforms, where for as little as $5 a month, you can access all of my second half conversations along with oodles of other bonus content and opportunities to drop in with me, to drop in with our High Vibe tribe, and lots of other awesome things. In addition to interviews, Word Up also features quantum languaging upgrades, planetary service announcements, and propaganda analysis, which I call Spot the Propaganda. Thank you so much for tuning in and for sharing your sacred attention with me and our high vibe tribe of change makers. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you can stay abreast of our every episode. Thank you for also clicking the like button, for sharing far and wide, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As well, if you are gleaning any value whatsoever from these shows, consider supporting me on Locals and or Patreon. And as you are wanting to learn more about my quantum languaging coaching and consulting services or nab copies of my books, find me on dannycats.com as well as on quantumlanguaging.com. Okay, I think that's it for our housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Hey, superstars. Welcome back to another episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Alpha Gals Go Deep Edition. Yes, Hunter Muse, Alpha Gal Extraordinaire, is back for another Alpha Gals Go Deep. Hey, superstars, welcome back to another episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Today I am joined by my Alpha Gals Go Deep cohort, Hunter Muse. This is our third installment of our Alpha Gals series. And before we dive in, I am reminding you to thanking you for clicking that subscribe button, for liking, sharing, and commenting. Your comments go a long way in nudging me up in the al- in the algorithm. I'm also giving you a heads up that I am just coming back to the land of the living after being down with a uh, five-day spike protein reaction that hit me very, very hard. So um, full transparency, I'm a little slow in this episode, but I, I do find find my footing at some point, I think. I'm also reminding you how the show is structured. The first half is free on all of the audio podcast platforms, as well as on YouTube. The second half is for paid supporters on my locals and Patreon channels. The links for both of those are listed in the comment section. You can join either one of those platforms or both for as little as $5 a month, which gets you access to all of the second halves of my conversations, plus oodles of bonus content. 
That does it for housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy this this episode of Alpha Gals Go Deep with Hunter Muse. Let's dive in. Where do you want to start? We have so many things on the agenda. Like, I'm totally going to let you lead where you want us to go, and I will just follow because I'm still in a liminal space. I totally hear you. Um, well, I just sent you this clip. And, I saw it. And I just wrote down the, because I'm pedantic about making sure I quote people accurately or as close to accurately as I possibly can. Um, so I wrote down the text of what was said, and maybe at some point, if you want to drop that in so that, that your audience can see what we're talking about, that may be valuable. Um, I don't know the context of where this man on the street thing happened. It sounds like it was Australia. Uh, I don't know the context of the interview that the woman was responding to the man on the street, uh, situation but i think it's an important thing to examine as alpha females and totally our perspectives of sex and sexuality and how we look at each other and how we look at um sex as you know in terms of partnership and uh just to give the viewers a little bit of context a man on the street interview with some women in Australia. They may be a little tipsy, maybe a little saucy. I don't know. It's people in Australia, in my experience, drink a lot. <laughs> I just, I just sent it to myself. If we want to do like a screen share, and do you want me to play it now? Sure. I mean, yeah. I think, I think it's valuable. Um, I think it's a good place to start. Okay. Awesome. So let me share screen. Make sure we've got sound going. Sorry, we're seeing lots of extra things that no I one. I like it. Um, all right. I think that it's important before you get married no, to no. tell each other how many people you've slept no. with. That should mean sh means nothing. No. How many hamburgers have you had before you got married? I'm an American, so too many. Like, how many swims in the ocean have you had before you got married? Like, it shouldn't matter. It doesn't make sense to me how even these married women who are going to be having children and raising the next generation, and that's how they're going to teach their daughters sex, just like having a hamburger, just like swimming in the ocean, it doesn't matter. Have as much sex as you want with as many people as you want. Become incredibly vulnerable before as many people as you want because your naked body, your vulnerability, your intimacy means nothing. It's like eating a hamburger. A man having sex with you, it's just like him having a hamburger. That's how worthless your body is. Wow. Oh, that was uplifting. <laughs> well, I love, there's a couple of things that I gather from that. I don't know who that woman is. I find it curious that she is being interviewed with her baby, you know, in this very Madonna and child uh, situation happening. And, um, almost this vitriol that she has towards these women that are being interviewed on the street. I think you could drive a truck through her logic. These women are not saying that having sex is correlates to eating hamburgers or swimming in the ocean. They're giving those as hypothetical examples of maybe a minute detail, a potentially minute detail that you wouldn't necessarily share with your partner, how many hamburgers you'd eaten in your life, how many times you'd swum in the ocean. Um, and I, I feel like she's sexually shaming women for being sexual and maybe wanting to be vulnerable with a lot of people. And assuming that every time you have sex with someone, you are being vulnerable and that your exchange with that person is the same exchange that she has when she has sex. So there's a lot of holes in her logic for me. What are your thoughts? Um, 
Well, first of all, I, I feel like the optics are so important because we've got this like Madonna shaming the whores. Yes. Thing. It's like, it's not enough that she's a mother, she's breastfeeding while she's <laughs> shaming them. Um, and I personally feel like um, sacredness has been taken away from sex. And Lovely. even though I'm, I'm, even though I've had sex that, uh, you know, wasn't sacred or with people I didn't, who, you know, who weren't soulmates or whatnot, like I look back on that thinking that I wasn't honoring myself because the reality is I'm taking another human into my body. And there's a lot of vulnerability there um, in terms of that moment and sharing my body with that person in that moment. There's also the vulnerability of procreating, of getting a disease. Like there are a lot of things that I think we would be wise to bring back into the conversation instead of making sex so casual. But at the same time, it's like, I honestly don't know how many people I've had sex with. And at this stage of the game, like no one cares. Um, so those are some of my initial thoughts on it. Yeah, it's interesting because I think um, casual sex can be sacred. I think that we can have sacred exchanges with people that we don't know because there's a karmic connection that maybe we don't necessarily understand. Like you're being put in a situation um, when you meet someone and you feel that energy. Well, we don't know where that energy is coming from. How long, what, what the residual, you could say past life or DNA uh, cellular memory thing is with that person. So what could potentially seem as casual sex could be a, a, a deeply enmeshed, ingrained history that you have with this person that you've just met. I don't know if you've ever met someone where you just like, I feel like I've known this person my whole life and I'm not getting woo-woo and saying it's definitely a past life thing. I'm saying it's a cellular memory where our DNA has been on this earth for so long that we have connected with other people so many times and other iterations that it's possible that there's a recognition that you have for someone. Uh, it's not my job and my duty to judge or shame a woman for having sex with 10,000 men or one man. It's not my job. Not at all. So um, I feel like the other piece that I just want to presence before I forget and and just fair warning to the audience, I'm just coming off of being super sick for the past five days. And this is my first attempt at podcasting. So thank you for your patience as I learn to speak again. Um, one thing that I thought was odd in the thing is that no one feels that transparency with a potential marriage partner is important. And that is something that to me is actually the most disturbing. And I see this a lot in my coaching practice where I am utterly shocked by how many men and women are not honest with their partners. And I'm like, why did, then why are you even doing this? Um, yeah. So if, if you're, if you're, if there's like some block where you're, you have shame, in telling someone who you're going to pledge your forever after to, I think that's something that is inviting examination um, separate of the like shaming people for so, you know, however many people we've had sex with. But in terms of um, karmic connections, yes, of course I've had those, but I also know that those don't necessarily translate to something healthy or supportive in 3D. And again, for me, having sex is a big deal. And there are lots of repercussions, including um, energetic ties. You are karmically corded in on a DNA level with every single person you have had sex with. That's a big deal. And for me, I learned this lesson the hard way when I found myself inconveniently pregnant. Mm -hmm. And my then boyfriend was in the Ukraine shooting a movie. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't even get in touch with him. And I handled it in my own very witchy way with herbs and mother nature, which 
P.S. is available to everyone. Like it's a really loving planet. We don't need to bring in Western medicine or whatnot. But it was a really challenging experience for me. And when I did finally get a hold of him, <laughs> he goes, <clears throat> yeah, I think I'm going to stop by New York on my way back and just, you know, hang out there for a couple weeks. I really miss my parents. And I was like, I am net, I have to be way more mindful about who I allow into my body because this is something that could happen. And not only is this something that could happen, but then just seeing like his psycho-emotional inability and unwillingness to be there for me, you know, maybe there was karma there, but was it worth it in this incarnation for me to go through all of that? I don't know, I don't really believe in regret, but I just, again, for me, um, there are so many X factors at play when I'm allowing someone into my own body that for me personally, I'm a lot more cautious and slow about it. That being said, I have no shame for the people I've had sex with. I don't shame anyone else for how they do it, but I would hope that they would have enough self-respect and be stepping into a, a conscious, loving relationship with someone they're going to marry, that they would be able to be transparent about it. Yeah, I think there's a, a uh, to me, the dichotomy is that women are supposed to be, they, well, and I don't think they're supposed to be. I think that the sales pitch we've been sold is that we're supposed to be chased when we marry, that we're not supposed to have ever had any kind of relationship with anyone else that we are not supposed to be transparent about those things that we are supposed to it's like the first time you make love to your husband should be the first time you've ever made love to any woman uh and i for me that's very problematic because i don't think that those same rules apply to men where men are fed this ideology and this idea that they are supposed to be virile and they're supposed to have sex with lots and lots of people before they get married and have lots of experience because they are the performers and they are the ones who are kind of running uh, that, that show sexually. So I think where my perspective might confuse some people is that I think women should have the right to have sex with whoever they want to have sex with as long as it's a consenting adult. They should totally have that freedom and not be judged for making those decisions. I think men should be able to have sex with as many or as few people as they want without being judged. Now, for me, the transparency comes when we're talking about sexually transmitted diseases. I'm more interested in how many people you've been in love with than how many people you've had sex with. Because to me, those are way more entrenched and um, potentially fraught um, relationships than sexual contact. What I want to know is how many same-sex partners have you had? Are you a man who's had sex with other men? Are you a man who has had sex with uh, particularly young women? Is there a type of woman that you have looked for in the gamut of your sexual experiences. Those are the things that I'm um, most interested in and I was interested in with my husband. So I understand the need and the desire for transparency. And I think that those things are important. I think if you're not comfortable telling someone what your number is, that's your right. I think you totally have that right. I don't think that it should influence or affect your relationship. There is some, I, I would say like reptilian brain thing that happens where, you know, men don't want damaged goods and women want a man that has his, you know, knows his way around a vagina and knows his way around the bedroom. So I think there's that, that kind of narrative and that story that we've been told. Uh, but I don't think that we, those things are hard and fast rules. And so we've got to be able to understand that in 2023, you may be with someone who's been with a lot of people who's a woman. You may be with someone 
who's a man who hasn't had a lot of partners. Uh, I think a lot of that alchemy has to be in understanding that you shouldn't necessarily judge someone based on what those those um, numbers are. People should be able to um, hold uh, accountability for themselves and understand that yes, that does influence and affect a relationship potentially, but am I in a relationship with the other women that my partner has been in with, or am I in a relationship with him? I think the through line I'm looking for is how did he treat those women? What is the what is the relationship now he has with those women? That I'm more interested in than how many people he fucked. What I care about is, does he treat women with integrity and respect? If he fucked a lot of women, is it because he is a hypersexual person and he needed to have lots of sex with lots of different people? If he was only with one woman, to me, that's a little bit of a red flag. If a, if a, a man or a woman has only been with one person. So this idea that chastity somehow raises your value, I think that that is something I'm not on board with. That's an interesting point, what you just said, and that really resonated. Like that that is a red flag if you've only been with like one or two people. It, for me, the number thing just doesn't come up. And, you know, as someone who's uh, walked through life single, you know, I've had plenty of relationships and long-term relationships, but like, given the way that I roll and other creative people that I'm attracted to roll, we tend to have had a lot of partners. I'm not really attracted to people who, you know, lock down with that like conservative, you know, white picket fence, happily ever after thing. I'm not really attracted to that. But I also, in terms of like this chastity thing, I don't really see that um, in my reality, but this is something that I'm noticing is like, there are so many different timelines and reality is going. So people talk about, you know, racism or homophobia where they live. And I'm like, I believe that that's real for you. That is not real in my reality construct at all. So in my reality construct, I see sluttiness being more elevated. I see a, a, a real clear demoralization campaign that is attacking um, adolescents and in training them to, to, to sexualize themselves and be sexually active from such a young age when in you know from my own perspective i would hope that they would still be able to safeguard their innocence and you know stretch that out as long as possible so for me it's it's a little bit reverse i don't see that happening so much i do see this like christian right-wing backlash as perfectly exemplified by the breastfeeding mother shaming these women you know, um, so I, I see that coming out now as its own op, but, um, and shaming around the numbers again, it's just like, who cares? Like, for me, I'm more interested in like, what have you learned and where are you going? I, when I'm like dating someone, I don't want to talk about my past relationships, his, who gives a shit? Who are you now and where are you going? Yeah, I, I totally hear that. And I think, there is a, you know, where I'm, I'm kind of in, in a Switzerland perspective in, in these two versions of these women's realities is that how I see it is that there's definitely a, a ritual objectification and sexualization. Oh, God. Are you there? Sorry about that. I don't know where, how that happened. I think there's a ritual objectification and sexualization of men and women, young men and young women that has some nefarious roots. And I definitely agree with that. And I definitely see that. I don't know why that keeps happening. That's so weird. It's coming through my computer. Uh, so that's weird to me that that there are some dark roots and a dark nature to that energy. And it's really disconcerting to think 
that women are associating their value with sex and with their sexuality. And I don't think that that's a positive at all. Um, but that being said, I think that you are the one who determines what is sacred sexuality and how you, how much energy you put into that space and how you honor your, your own body. And I know we've talked about this before because I've worked in the uh, sex work world that I had sacred sex in that space, in a space where this woman would see that as shame and worthlessness and that, and that um, me having um, sexual experiences or intimate experiences with multiple men is just like having a hamburger. Uh, I think that that is denying men's sacred energy as well. And it's looking at men and saying that men are just knuckle-dragging simians. They're, they're just fuckers who just fuck and they have no feelings. They have no, no ownership to any emotion whatsoever. That it is demeaning a man's um, attachment to the sacred feminine. And it's demeaning the man's attachment to women and, and denying that. And I think that's very pedestrian. It's a very pedestrian way of, of looking at men. I think she's limiting men's capacity for being intimate. Well, I, I want to get into the man thing, but before we do that, I want to know what about the sex you were having as a sex worker made it sacred? I think uh, men's ability to be vulnerable in a space that they felt safe in. I think that's what made it sacred. I think in, in the consensus or default world, I think a lot of men feel very guarded when they go into a dating situation with a woman. And so it's hard for them for, and this is obviously my experience. I'm not speaking across the board in generalizations. I'm speaking about my anecdotal experience. I think what I witnessed is that I saw men being capable of letting their guard down and being able to be more forthcoming and more honest about their feelings in that space. Because and what were you doing that allowed them to, to have that experience? I wasn't judging them. I wasn't judging them by how they looked, by how much money they had, by how they spoke. Um, I had no expectations of them. It was an energetic, when someone goes into like a brothel, for example, the men are given the opportunity to select the woman they want to be with. The woman has the opportunity to reject that man if she wants to. So there is a, a millisecond exchange that's happening energetically between you and another human being. And in that exchange, a decision is being made of do, am I going to be intimate with you? Am I going to walk in? We've known each other for 20 seconds. Am I going to walk into another room and take my clothes off and be vulnerable with you? Am I, am I willing to do that? And I think I had the ability to do that because I was living in a very transient world. I was living in another country. I had no familial ties where I was. So I was kind of floating in this um, ether and in this environment. And so that put me in a different place where I wasn't judging people in the same constructs of I've known this guy since high school. I know where he works. I know like he wasn't embedded in some idea of who he is. So it was more of a human to human exchange than does this guy have a nice car? Does he have a good job? Is he going to be able to take care of me? Is he going to be able to take care of kids if we decide to go down that road? So I wasn't writing all these stories about these men. And I think because of that, they were walking to a situation where it was just human to human. And 
I think that gave them the capacity to be more vulnerable because they knew I wasn't going to call them. They knew I wasn't going to hunt them down. They knew that I wasn't playing a game of trying to um, fashion them into some reality or into some role that they, maybe they did or did not want to be in. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, and so when you're talking about that it's sacred for men as well, and we're not honoring that, do you, um, can you speak more about that? Because from my perspective, like from one side of it, I can see, yes, that could be the case, but in my experience with men, it just isn't. Um, A lot of men, it's very base. They'll do their like pound pound thing and only care about themselves unless really trained and called in to something different. And I've done, you know, a zillion Tantra workshops and, you know, polarity, this and that and whatnot. And consistently in all of those, it's like, men, you need to slow down to match the woman's energy and allow the woman to warm up, to open up, you know, to get wet, all of those things to then be able to really take you to very high places. Um, So in my experience, I don't see men being naturally wired on the day to day for like a sacred sexual honoring in the way that maybe it's just me projecting what I want onto humanity. I think, uh, you know, in, in a situation, like in a sex work situation, those men were walking into my world. And I think that had a lot to do with it. Uh, I think what a lot of them realize when they go into that kind of a situation is that there's a symbiotic thing that's happening and they're either going to comply with that energy and be a part of that, like ride that wave, or they're going to be resistant and they're going to shut down. And not every woman that that is in a sex work world is doing that as a sacred right. They're just not. There's some women that are just in there. They're trying to make money for formula. (laughs) They're trying to make money for their rent or for their whatever their drug habit is. I saw a lot of that where it was like, I just need to make, make enough money so I can buy a bag of weed or I can do whatever. And then I'm out of here. So not every woman was going in with this idea that they were there to be worshiped. And so they are going to attract those kinds of men that want to fuck and that's it. And so that's going to be a different exchange. I did, uh, I had situations when I was with couples. I had situations where I it was a double, where there was two women and one man. And in most of my experiences, the thing that was so fascinating is the man was just like, you take the lead. You tell me, this is your body. Like you show me what I'm allowed to do, basically. It wasn't like I've paid my money and I'm going to get off and I'm going to because that's not the energy I was approaching that with. So I, I use that as a learning tool and a learning experience for men. So if someone was doing something that didn't feel good, I didn't just shut up and let him do it. I was like, why don't you try this? Touch me like a flower, <laughs> you know, saying things to kind of guide that where it then becomes sacred because you are not allowing someone just to do something to you until 29 minutes rolls on the clock and you can kick them the fuck out. I, I had those experiences with young men that were, you know, in their twenties to an 85 year old man, you know, so I think it, so much of that is informed by what you are bringing into that situation. And I think how this, for me, how I see this woman's perspective is that she doesn't see the value in being naked with multiple people because she has a perspective of what that means for her. So she's assuming that that same perspective 
is what it means for all women. I think you can have both. I think you can feel that your body is uh, sacred. You can share your body with people and it's still sacred. I think that it does not make your body worthless. And I don't think that those women were saying those, you know, potentially tipsy women on the street were saying that if you don't tell people how many people you've had sex with, that that means that you're worthless. I think that there's a, a huge journey between those two realities. And I just don't perceive that this woman understood that. And I just found that so fascinating and how vitriolic she was about it. Like they're teaching women. No, they're not. They're just saying what their experience is. So maybe their experience isn't your experience and it doesn't invalidate who they are because you've had a different life experience. Yeah, I agree. I think that the leap that she made had nothing to do with what they were saying. They were saying, we don't need to share our numbers. They weren't saying like, anyone can fuck me. Like, yeah, 100%. And I also think, you know, my perspective is, is informed by a lifetime of experimentation and exploration, you know, so I'm happy that I did have all of that to come to this place. But I, I think I'm speaking in terms of like, the larger demoralization of culture mm. that just really hurts my heart and you know the grooming of children that we're seeing now and yeah. you know like one of my favorite um homeschool students just turned 18 mm -hmm. and i follow her on social media and this is like you know my homeschool student and her birthday picture was a picture of her breasts and like honey dripping down her breasts and my judgment my shit it broke my fucking heart um and i wish i'd never seen it and it's like this is my perspective and my shit but it was just like oh sweetie like this is what 18 means of like this you know, you're sexualizing yourself this way as a way to celebrate. And, you know, that's my shit, but it really hurts my heart for all the girls whose innocence is just being taken or that they're being indoctrinated to give away at such an early age. I totally hear you. And I think that the difference for me as a 54 year old woman is that there was no social media when I was taking sexualized photos of myself. Uh, I was doing that, you know, and maybe in, in some regard, you could look at it and say, well, I did it more in an artful fashion because I was doing black and white photos and doing self portraits, you know, in, in this way that I had to go and, and take that film and have it developed. And there was more of a process and getting the photos and the contact sheets and, you know, I have been a photographer my whole life from the time I was a little girl. So I totally understand how maybe in hindsight, when she is 54 years old, she may look back and say, what the fuck did I do putting that on social media? You know, I don't know how many people have downloaded or screenshotted that photo and have jerked off to it. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, she has no idea the implications of doing that because her frontal lobe is not fully formed. No. So her decision-making is not there. And she clearly doesn't have someone in her life, her parents, her friends, her peers, who were saying, you know, beautiful picture, but maybe you shouldn't be putting that online. So she's trying to express something that women have been expressing for thousands of years trying to understand trying to navigate their sexual energy the issue where it becomes problematic is she's doing it in a public sphere she's not doing it just for her lover she's not doing it just for herself she thinks she's doing it just for herself but she's sharing it with the world to get likes <laughs> because she wants positive feedback, but she doesn't know who is engaging in that dialogue with her. So I think it's really unfortunate. I think our job is to, as women, is to support 
people like that and to maybe have some kind of a exchange with them and say, you know, it doesn't seem like it's a big deal to you. Your account's private. You have a limited amount of friends. You, you have, you've put maybe safeguards in place to protect yourself. So you don't really see the implications of what you're doing, but how are you going to feel about that in 20 years, in 30 years, in 40 years, in 50 years? And before you post some, something, maybe you should think about that because you may not feel the same way about what you're doing now as you do when you're older. You may look back in the rearview mirror and say, why the fuck did I do that? And I'm certainly not saying that I didn't have sex with people in my life, but I was like, why the fuck did I do that? But that was in my personal life. <laughs> in my professional life, I feel good about everything that I did in that sphere. In my personal life, I look back and I say, say to myself, I was desperate for love. I was desperate for love. I was desperate for attention. I thought my only value was sexual because that's what I was taught as a child, that the only value I had is the pleasure I gave other people. So that translated into a life of uh, unrequited love, bad relationships. And I think when I got into the sexual work field, I suddenly saw a different value in that energy. And I suddenly saw that I could take that energy and transmute that energy and walk away from something feeling good about it, as opposed to feeling bad about it. Because it hurts to have sex with someone that you really like and you're really into and you get caught up in that sexual energy and then it doesn't work out with that person. It fucking sucks. <laughs> it absolutely sucks when you feel that that person's been deceitful and you've been vulnerable and they haven't been vulnerable. So I'm not saying that everyone should monetize their sexuality. I'm not saying that your homeschooler should monetize your sexuality at all. I'm saying that we have to be very thoughtful about how we engage in our sexuality at every, in every aspect of our lives. And sometimes that's going to mean being vulnerable with people who don't deserve you. Sometimes that's a hard ass fucking lesson that you've got to learn. A thousand percent. And like, as, as you well know, like I, I, I am no stranger to that lesson. I think it's just also like watching how reckless we are with sex in general and that it's so powerful, you know, like that Kundalini energy has so much intelligence, sexual energy is so healing and just watching the bulk of humanity um, completely misuse it, completely miss the boat on it and as well how how quick we are to jump into bed with one another whereas before there used to be like courtship and multiple dates and like oh did you get to second base a few more dates did you get to third and they like we were getting to know one another and earning one another's trust that is totally off the table now people have sex so quickly and I see this in my clients and I see this in my girlfriends when they have sex with someone so fast, I'm talking to a crazy person. I'm like, I'm not even talking to you. I'm talking to the hormones that have shut down your critical thinking and you sound insane because it's just your hormones talking, you know? So I think that's another thing that we would be wise to be mindful of that the hormones that are released when we have sex literally make us crazy. So when we do that before we have vet properly vetted the person, um, we get ourselves into sticky situations. I'll just speak for myself. I get have gotten to myself in some very sticky situations because the hormones have taken over and I'm not even seeing straight and I see it happening so often. Yeah, well, and the interesting thing about the vetting process is that we can do that and still get hurt and still get let down. 
And so then it becomes this thing of you have betrayed the vetting process because you got what you wanted and then you ghosted me or you, you know, so is it better to fuck someone and get it out of the way and then see if there's still something there? Or is it better to go through this vetting process and then potentially have that person fuck you over or break up with you? In both situations, we are being put into a position where we have to be vulnerable. And what that means is that the potential to get hurt exists in both of these realities. I think this is where we have to put on our big girl pants and say, you know what? I, if I want to be in love with somebody, I'm going to be vulnerable. If I want to fuck somebody, I'm going to be vulnerable. Guess what? Being a human means you're going to be vulnerable. So there's no way to nerf our reality from being hurt. There's just not. What we have to do is have the capacity to heal our energy and stop projecting our state on other people. It's not that guy's fault or problem if he didn't fall in love with you. It's not your fault or problem if you don't want to fuck somebody and you decide not to. (laughs) I think where we are getting fucked over is our expectations of other people, that someone else is going to fill our slot for us. It's got to be okay to have sex with somebody and maybe it's not the best sex in the world and you regret it and you're like, wow, that was a lesson. You know, this is how we figure out what we want in life is by doing things or not doing them. It's the intuition that we've lost, which is, do I want to? Well, no. Do I feel pressured to? No. Well, if I was pressured then that's a whole different conversation. So we've got to be willing to take responsibility for our own states and stop projecting it on the world. I feel sorry for your homeschool girl because she thinks that those likes are validating her. She could have taken that beautiful photo of herself and kept it for herself and kept that energy without having to feel that she needed to share that with the world. That's the experimentation of a fee of, of your own sacred sexual energy. Yeah. And I, and I want to be mindful because I'm close with her family. I love her family. You know, this is my own projection, my own judgment. Um, It was a beautiful picture. It's just me wanting to safeguard children's innocence for as long as possible that's my own thing that i'm projecting onto that i wish i hadn't seen it you know because i want her to continue to be my you know my homeschool student forever in my mind i have this image of her but you know maybe that's my shit yeah but no one coerced her as far as you know i don't think so took that photo and put it online without her consent so I think that's where we have to look at that stuff and say, okay, how much responsibility does this girl have over herself versus um, the reaction that other people have to what she is posting? So if you freak out, that's on you. That's not on her. It's unfortunate that she feels that she needs I'm not saying it's unfortunate that she needs to take the photo. It's unfortunate that she needs validation from other people. And that's why she's posting that photo because she's not posting it for herself. She's posting it so other people will respond to that. And so is there a lack in her life, a lack of a sense of herself? Is she just trying to investigate her sexuality, of course, that's what we do. So your job is to love her and support her and speak to her if she asks you about it, you know, be be the, the alpha in that situation and encourage her to examine her sexuality. I think it's important. I think what's not important is for the predators 
to have control over that. I think that's what we have to stop is this other energy that's coming in that's pushing young women into this perspective of thinking that that's their only value. Yeah, I mean, th that's, that's what I'm railing against is that, that that monster, that entity that has slipped its way into culture and has convinced so many women that without that, they're worthless. And it's odd to me because I've been railing against that since I was a little kid. You know, I've always been the one born and raised in LA, like pushing against that. So it's weird to me in 2023 that like, we're still there. This is what we're still doing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so bizarre. I'm gonna see if I can find this thing. I don't know if I have access to drop something in here. I'll um, give you screen share access. Stand by. Once I figure out how to do it. Um, oh, wait, we almost had it. Okay. I'm just making you the host. Okay. And then you can do whatever you want. Okay. So. This is an example of, let me close this and then expand this. <coughs> this is the example of what I grew up with. There's one person nobody can resist, and that's a baby. No. And a baby soft. But the innocent scent of a cuddly, clean baby. Is she licking them? sexy. And forming bad body motion, body powder, and body mist. Someone has sent it, and will be the sexiest fragrance around her. Love's baby soft. Because innocence is sexier than you think. Real baby. Christmas. Okay, I'm confused. Was she licking the cookie like it's a lollipop? She seems to be having trouble actually getting a bite happening. She seems a little retarded. <laughs> so that's the imagery. This is how long this has been going on. Wow. Nothing is as sexy as a baby. That was really creepy. Yeah, super, super disturbing. So women have been told their th throughout history that their sexual energy is their cachet that is their value that's what they have to offer what is so interesting is the is this idea that young women are the only women that have value babies are what have ca sexual cachet and value little girls so this idea and you know i've talked to chris about this it's so fascinating um this i this whole movement of um you know uh human trafficking and children and <laughs> pedophilia and what i was saying to him is none of this is new child brides people marrying eight-year-olds none of this shit is new Historically, this has happened throughout the human experience. And I said, why do you think that is? You know, and, and it's so disturbing because we have children, we love humans, we love children, but not in that way. It's so fucked up to think that someone could be minor attracted and that's now being normalized the fact that that's even a phrase like no they're a pedophile yeah I, and the reason I, I was saying to him he was like i just don't understand why like why this is a thing and i said well what men have been trained to think is that they need to be in control it's very difficult to control a grown-ass woman Oh. It's very difficult to control an alpha female. It's very, very easy to control a child. 
An alpha female can see right through your bullshit. Point blank. A little kid can't. So the reason a man is going to be more attracted to someone way, way younger is not because older women aren't attractive, older women aren't beautiful. It's because they can run a game on a young woman. They can bullshit a young woman. You can't bullshit an older woman who has had a full life. So I think that's the sales pitch in this predatorial um, situation that we see right now is older women, they've hit their expiry date. You don't want to be with an old broad. You want to be with a young girl that you can control. So then you don't really have to have any sacred energy with that person because you don't have to be vulnerable with a little girl. You can be the man and you know, if you've got a little dick, it'll make your dick look bigger if it's a small hand that's touching it. So again, it's this idea that old women are outmoded, young women are the direction to go. So what does that do? It causes young women to think that they have all the power and causes young women to think that they are the ones in control of uh, that dynamic in that relationship. When in reality, those women aren't in control. Those men are running numbers on them because they can. So this is where these young women get angry because they think like, I'm the one holding the cards here and you should be bowing down to, well, you don't have any, any true power because you haven't fully developed who you are as a person. You don't know who you are as a person. So you're going into this situation, into a relationship with no fucking clue of who this man is and what he's capable of. Thoughts? I will also think, I mean, it's asinine to think that you have the power if you're with a man who is is, you know, wanting to date someone significantly younger, younger, like, is that not a red flag to yeah. you that this person isn't wanting to date a peer? I think it also, you know, in terms of why men are doing it, I think you're spot on in terms of they're not going to be called on anything. Um, and I've seen this with so many of my male friends, and it's appalling to watch the relationships um, of, you know, men my age dating younger, 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 and just watching how they literally treat them like children. And there is no respect for their opinion or whatnot. It's like, it's a very my way or the highway thing, but also it's about a tight pussy and how we are completely objectified as holes to get off on. And so I look at the past, you know, few decades of this, you know, bikini waxing thing and bald pussies, and then going back to like women playing along with it. Why are we going along with men's preference for prepubescent children by allowing ourselves to be mutilated, it's so painful to be waxed, um, to look like that, you know? So again, it's like it takes two to tango. So so looking at where we're playing that game and allowing ourselves to be objectified, allowing ourselves to um, emulate young prepubescent girls, uh, you know, for sexual currency or whatnot. Yeah, the whole thing's so super creepy. Well, I, when in the time that I worked in Planned Parenthood, I saw lots and lots of vulvas. I saw lots of vaginas. And if a man wants a tight pussy, he should be a re- with a morbidly obese woman because morbidly obese women have tight pussies. <laughs> Fun fact, <laughs> in my experience, um, women who body shape and body size and age has nothing to do with the flexibility or the size of a woman's vagina or her vulva. So I think that's, that is a misconception that maybe some men have is that, you know, a young woman is going to have a tight pussy. That's not necessarily the case. It's all genetics. So um, I did see women that were morbidly obese that had insanely tight pussies. <laughs> I hate to be so graphic, but it's 
kind of hilarious that we're talking about this. Uh, and it's because of the weight of the belly and the bladder and all of these things kind of compressing. Mm. So, um, you know, I, I just think that when it comes down to it, the men that I know who have gone into these relationships with young women don't want to be challenged intellectually. They don't want to be challenged um, in terms of their lives and how they engage with their partner. It's really about, again, being in control of a dynamic or in control of a person. And what's interesting is that the energy levels don't match. So the life experience doesn't match and the references, the cultural references don't match. So you could be with a girl who's 20 years younger than you are, but she doesn't know what you know. And some men are cool with that. Some women are cool with that. But at the same time, they're going to want to do different things. So if you're a 50 year old guy and you're still clubbing it, then you may need to reassess your life choices from my perspective. If you are a 16 year old girl and you're hanging out with a 60 year old man, you may want to take a look at that. And this whole idea of like, Oh, she's an old soul. Bullshit. Bullshit. I'm calling bullshit on that. No, not an old soul. She's a person that you have decided fits into this uh, parameter and this dynamic. I, I love the movie Ghost World. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. It's also super creepy. It's super creepy. And on so many different levels. You know, I think because you see someone who is curious, a young woman who's curious about this guy who seems kind of menschy and kind of awkward and you know, there's a curiosity there, but she's taking advantage of him. He's taking advantage of her. And neither one of them ends up happy in that circumstance. And it's sad. It's sad because it's kind of sold as a love story in some regards, but it's also kind of this weird anecdotal version of you know, this girl's then vulnerable. And so she fucks him and then he ends up fucking her over and she ends up fucking, it's, it's just so weird. Like you have to be able to look at that and say, this is the culture we are being taught that, you know, young women should be attracted to older men and older men should be attracted to younger women. And that should be, normal and we should be okay with that as opposed to you know maybe that guy shouldn't be with this dorky girl he's not really into maybe he should try to find another girlfriend who is into the same kind of stuff that likes the weird records he likes that like you know it's like it's being you know set set into this framework of there's only two options here Thanks so much for tuning in to this latest episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. I am reminding slash thanking you to and for (laughs) clicking that subscribe button, for liking, for sharing, for commenting, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As you are receiving any value from my podcast, as you dig it, as you listen regularly, consider supporting me on Patreon and or Locals, where for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half podcast interviews, as well as oodles of bonus content. Your support really goes a long way in supporting me as a journalist and an independent content creator navigate her way through a really crunchy time in terms of free speech. 
And as you are wanting to learn more about my work in the world, my books, my products, my quantum languaging, coaching, and consulting, you can find me at dannycats.com as well as quantumlanguaging.com. And if you're not down with a membership patronage platform and want to send me one-time donation, you can use the Bitcoin link if it actually appears on your podcast listening platform. You could also send me a one-time donation by way of PayPal at dannycats at pm.me or by way of Venmo, where my username is Sadie Bloom. Again, your support means the world and makes a massive, massive difference when it comes to continuing to share this work with the world. Thank you for sharing your sacred attention with me. Thank you for remembering that you are omniscopic amazingness and for having a rockin' day. See you next time, superstars.